Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip Kingflow, the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, learns about our barriers, and helps us discover the tools and strengths we need for self-advocacy. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. The Autism Society of Minnesota has been serving Minnesota's autism community for the past 50 years. Visit them online at AUSM.org. Please go to todaysautisticmoment.com to the new podcast episodes page and or the episode index page to get updates, download shows, program scripts, and interview transcripts. Interview transcripts are sponsored by GT Independence. Also, please follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Be sure to become a member of Today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook where you can meet me, other listeners, exchange conversations, and find program updates, news about subscriptions and bonuses, upcoming shows, and take advantage of special offers. Please help spread the word about today's Autistic Moment with other autistic adults, caregivers, professionals, families with autistic youth, and others who support autistic people. Do you know of other autistic adults or caregivers who are worried about preparing for the sensory unfriendly holidays? Then tell them to listen to my last episode with Zephyr James. Perhaps you know of an autistic adult who is having issues with seeking justice in employment. Tell them to listen to Autistic Adults, Justice in Employment with my guest, Samuel J. Levine. Today's Autistic Moment is available on nine different apps, so please encourage others to listen to the show. Help me grow my listener audience. During this first year, on today's Autistic Moment, my guests and I have been trying to help decrease the social stigma that autistic adults experience. We also want to help bring an end to a lot of the mythical nonsense and negative stereotyping of autistic people. On this episode, I want to address the myth that autistic people do not and cannot experience addictions. There have not been very many studies conducted about autistics and substance abuse addiction. However, the few that have suggested that autistics are nine times more likely to become addicted to alcohol, prescription, and recreational drugs than neurotypical people. Among the contributors of addictions for autistic adults of any age are troubled mental health, due to social stigmas, masking, burnout, poverty, abandonment, unemployment, 
isolation, neglect, and misinformation. Locating qualified therapists to provide medical, physical, and occupational therapy can be as difficult as losing a contact lens. The lack of understanding and acceptance that each autistic adult is unique and has sensory processing disorders that can be painful and not only disturbing can cause autistics to reach for substances that can soothe them. In addition, psychiatrists have often prescribed the wrong medications for autistics to assist with depression and ADHD, for example, that have led to addictions and additional mental health disorders. Substance abuse addiction is a very dire issue for autistic adults that needs to be addressed. I am so delighted that David Gray Hammond is joining me for these two very important episodes of today's Autistic Moment. David is an autistic adult who has been personally impacted by substance abuse addiction and recovery. David is a survivor of enormous challenges. David has committed himself to the work of informing and assisting autistic individuals through his work with neuroclastic and emergent divergence autism addiction mental health. You will be inspired by David's personal story that he articulates so well with understanding and compassion for other autistic adults who experience addiction. After this first commercial break, I will begin my conversation with David Gray Hammond. Stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and TuneIn. GT Independence is a national leader in financial management services for self-directed in-home and community-based long-term support. With self-direction, you have the right to live the life you choose, regardless of age or ability, in your own home or community. At GT Independence, our job is to help make self-direction easy. With self-direction, you make all the important choices, like who to hire, when to schedule support, how to manage your care, and even who to fire if things aren't working out. We take care of the administrative details, including Medicaid waivers, new employee paperwork, taxes, and paychecks. Founded in 2004, GT Independence is a disability-owned business that's proud to have assisted more than 25,000 people in receiving self-directed care from the safety of their own homes 
during the COVID-19 pandemic. By removing the increased risk of group living settings, self-directed care saved lives. To learn more about GT Independence and how to self-direct care in your state, visit www.gtindependence.com. Welcome back. And now it is my personal privilege to introduce and welcome David Gray Hammond as we discuss autistic adults substance abuse addiction. David Gray Hammond, thank you for being on today's autistic moment. I welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Um the issue of substance abuse addiction for autistic adults. Um, it sounds like it probably ought to be obvious, but we know that when it comes to autism and autistics, obvious to the neurotypical world, it just is not necessarily the case. And um, we want to um, talk about substance abuse addiction because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to be a bigger issue than, than many uh, realize. So um, I'm very grateful to have you here, and I know that I am going to appreciate what information you give, and as will my audience. So I begin. Uh, what important information about for autistic adults and our caregivers do you have to share regarding substance abuse addiction for autistic adults i guess the the best information i can give is just the fact that it's a real issue it's an issue that exists for autistic um people um you know there's this uh there's this misguided thought that autistic people aren't really so prone to addiction because perhaps we love the rules a bit too much and we wouldn't do something so chaotic as to engage in drug use or or you know problem drinking but the truth is is that when you look around the autistic community you can already see there are a lot of people who for whatever reason uh self-medicate with things such as cannabis but some of us move on to harder substances some of us get pulled into situations where we use harder substances to fit in in my situation i had grown up masking my autism my entire life because i was undiagnosed as a teenager and uh, when i started hearing voices as well as being autistic um, which is actually another issue that is more common in the autistic community than you would realize um i i i i just did what 
what I'd done with being autistic rather than show people that I was different I hid it from people but keeping that inside caused a great deal of pressure and it was because of that I turned to self-medicating with substances and that that substance use over a number of years spiraled into a full-blown addiction to what people would consider hard drugs in inverted commas um and ultimately it nearly killed me so the most important piece of information i can give is please don't think that your autistic child or your autistic friend or your autistic spouse isn't at risk of addiction because the truth is that addiction knows no boundaries correct yeah um in my introduction of the show uh for and uh, from uh i have a part of my show where I talk about future shows. I mentioned that uh, some autistic adults before they're diagnosed or even after, there's a tendency to reach out for alcohol and drugs, including prescription drugs or recreational drugs uh, to help with anxiety or the depression. And some of that um, is, 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 not, is not helpful to them. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that might be like for you? Um, those, those, those issues might be like for you. So for, for me, it, it started with, uh, with cannabis and alcohol. Um, you know, I, I started smoking cannabis because I was, I was in a really dark place with my mental health and the friends I had, um, they all like to go out drinking and smoking cannabis and it it just seemed like the thing to do to fit in and then once i started doing it to fit in i realized that actually this is making my mental health easier to cope with but the problem was was my mental health wasn't getting better because i had support needs that weren't being met so as the years went by my drug use escalated and it stopped being just cannabis and drinking a bit. And suddenly I was drinking every day and I was popping prescription drugs like, you know, Valium and uh, Lorazepam and Oxycodone. And I was going out and sourcing recreational drugs like ketamine. And, you know, it, it, it escalated over a number of years. And I mean, one thing I do want to say is that I'm aware that there are some people who safely use cannabis as a medicine, and I, I support them uh, in that. You know, uh, one of my controversial opinions is that I actually don't believe that substances should be prohibited. I believe that we should adopt a, a, a harm reduction model rather than a, a criminal you know rather than criminalizing substance use but what we do need to recognize is that especially for autistic people who often have their needs unmet um, prescription drugs and recreational drugs can represent a real risk of uh, escalation into addiction when you know those support needs are being left unmet um, you know when the drug use is unchecked it, it there, there's a real risk of of danger um i believe that um in some of my email communications <clears throat> you mentioned that opioid was an issue for you yes so opioids were an issue for me i never used street heroin but um 
I was very much addicted to morphine and oxycodone, uh, oh. which uh, oxycodone is sometimes known by the uh, street name as hillbilly heroin. Um, at least that's what it's known as in the UK. I don't know if it's the same in the US. Um, and uh, they're, they're both very powerful opioid narcotics. Um, they're typically used in end-of-life care um, on prescription. Um, for people who are dying of very painful diseases and I managed to talk doctors into prescribing them to me um, and I I had a very serious problem with them um, you know I would start my day off by taking a handful of oxycodone and washing it down with a bottle of or you know uh, liquid morphine you know and uh, it was it was an incredibly overwhelming experience because if i could not get my hands on those substances i would do whatever i could to to meet that addiction yeah one matter that i would like to bring forward um <clears throat> i have a dear friend of mine who is autistic and um he has shared with me that um he has experienced several relapses due to the isolation because of COVID-19. Uh, that seems to have hit autistics very hard and has made um, addictions that much more complicated to control. What do you think of that? Um, I mean, I can 100% relate. Um, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic, I had some of the worst times I have had since entering recovery i mean i'm happy to say i i kept my sobriety throughout covid but it took a lot of it took a lot of um support you know i was in a privileged position i had a lot of you know friends and family to support me um, and even though i was isolated from them they were checking in on me regularly now for a lot of autistic people then we they may not be so privileged as to be surrounded by friends and family who are going to ring them and make sure they're okay Right. And when you couple that with addiction, it's a recipe for disaster at times. Right. Um, you know, and I can 100% relate to how the isolation of the COVID-19 pandemic might drive someone back into the the clutches of, of addiction. And uh, I have, in fact, written on this topic uh, during the pandemic about, I believe it was something like the autistic addicts are not okay right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's certainly um, it was a real issue, and you know, it, I mean, it was an issue for addicts everywhere, um, but for autistic addicts especially, who I you know I think for whatever reason may face a greater degree of isolation and loneliness than non-autistic addicts, it it was it was a nightmare of a time. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly see why that would be. After this next commercial break, I will continue my conversation with David Gray Hammond. Stay tuned.
If you are the caregiver of someone who is autistic, affected by dementia, cancer, or any other condition, be sure to listen to the podcast Caregiver Chronicles by Sarah and Jeremy Brown. You can find the link to their podcast on the homepage of todaysautisticmoment.com. Wouldn't life be great if everything fell in place? Sometimes our lives need a little rearranging. One of the most challenging times is when we experience a major transition, such as job exploration, moving to a new place, or simply when you are defining your path in life. During these challenging times, individuals can feel like there's a great river between you and where you want to go. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps carve a path to the destination that's right for you, then lay the stepping stones so you can accomplish your goals. Visit us at lookingforwardlc.org for more information. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life Learn more at micommunity.org. move into my second question uh what are the barriers for autistic adults of all ages when we speak of substance abuse addiction and some of those barriers we have already brought up um but uh feel free to tell me if i'm correct or not correct here but i would think that one of the barriers that that actually feeds probably feeds those addictions would be our our sensory processing and how that can be so very difficult for us that we reach for that something that can we we hope will soothe some of those uh so please comment on that some of that if you will i mean for sure one of the things that i one of the reasons i was so uh attracted to um what people might refer to as downers you know opioids and valium and you know drugs that slow everything down is because they reduce the sensory overload um you know uh i i'm a very i'm very hypersensitive with a lot of my senses and when i was using substances that that depressed my central nervous system um it made the sensory experience easier to cope with now this was obviously um, vital in surviving when I was doing my undergraduate study at university and part of the social expectation was to attend noisy parties and nightclubs um, 
which I think many of us as autistic people, you know, we can appreciate why an autistic person might not want to be in that environment, or if they have to be, why they might not want to be sober in that environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I myself, um, I had, I grew up with two parents who had, who were alcoholics and due to that experience, um, I made a promise. I made a promise to myself. I made a commitment that I will not drink because I will not put anybody else through what my parents put me through. So that's one of those things that I have kept very solidly attentive to. Uh, but um, the thing is, is that we all know that when, as we said, a person is feeling isolated, an autistic adult is feeling like the world is caving in on them. There's no way for them to go out. They're feeling the pressure of that sensory overload. Or if they're hyposensitive, they feel like they need that stimulation that they're just not getting from other sources. And I would, you know, it goes without saying, I think that makes some of the things that um, autistic adults might feel from those addictions uh, are so easy to just reach for and, and, and go for. So. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think this is something that people don't realize is that drugs and alcohol are so endemic in our society right. that, that they're available literally everywhere especially alcohol uh, alcohol it's it's ridiculous how easily available alcohol is um considering the harm that it can cause um but for whatever reason it it, it is very very available um and you know there's there's not really limits on how much you can purchase you know there's you know it's you know earlier i was talking about how you know i don't believe in criminalizing drugs they need a harm reduction model well alcohol goes in the other direction you know it's not criminalized uh but there's really very little in the way of harm reduction until you've already developed a problem um, right. and when you when you consider that environment it's easy to see how an autistic person can suddenly find themselves in a world of alcohol and drug abuse um because as we've discussed you know we can be very isolated and lonely you know our sensory experiences are different um, many of us have support needs that simply are not met because, you know, access to diagnosis is difficult, post-diagnostic support is not in place, you know, um, and when you when you couple that with the easy availability of drugs and alcohol, it, it creates an environment where many, many people can, can turn to drugs and alcohol with very little support around how to use those drugs and alcohol in a sensible or safe you know as safe as you can be manner um and i know that's why you know some of the work that i have done in my home city has been around educating people on how they can safely use alcohol and drugs or as safely as possible because you know, I think one of the things we have to accept in this society is that whether it's illegal or not, people are going to use these substances and we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect them. Yeah. Um, one of our challenges can be about how 
drawn we can be to um um to something we can hyper focus on something uh you know almost become really attached to something um and so i again i and then of course there's the routine if the routine is to constantly go to that source for something to help calm our sensory experiences or deal with that isolation that we feel so isolated and so you know distanced from other people that that can be one of our greatest barriers to to the addiction because of how as you say how available it is and how easy it is to reach for it and if someone's made it their routine to reach for these things that's the barrier that can be the barrier to to getting out of it yeah and especially looking at the hyper focus that, that we can have i know for me personally um it got to a point where i was i would i had this routine of every night i would gather up the various different drugs i was in possession of and i would measure out specific doses of different ones and i would take them together and then i would keep a journal of you know how long it took to kick in how it affected me as it kicked in and and it became like a scientific experiment that i performed on myself um and it very much substance use became more than an addiction to me it became uh, a fixation uh, mm -hmm. i guess a special interest it was a special interest um and also, in a strange way, it was like a really dark version of stimming because it was like a stim for the whole body. Um, right. it, and it became this repetitive routine that I could focus on. And when everything else in my life was out of control, that was the one thing I could hold on to. And that's one right. of the things that made entering recovery so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the next episode we're going to do together, we're going to talk about recovery because I, I feel like we're talking about the substance abuse addiction this time. We really need to talk about recovery. And so that's coming up. That's, that's coming up in the next episode. The third question is my favorite because I do believe that so many of us autistic adults we already have those tools and strengths we need for self-advocacy. It's just a matter of finding them and making use of them. So uh, what steps should autistic adults and our supporters take to advocate for our needs? And, um, you know, this is one of those things where we could spend all day talking about advocacy, but let's just give, give our audience and the, those who, uh, are experiencing these addictions, some kind of hope that they can, in fact, do some self-advocacy here. Um, so especially when it comes to autistic addiction advocacy, there is not a huge number of people talking about substance use and addiction in the autistic community. But um, it's worth searching around, uh, you know, look, look for those little blogs that, that no one's talked about yet. Um, because I know, you know, my blog, you know, now gets a few thousand hits a month, but there was a point when no one had heard of it. Um, but, you know, look for those autistic voices that are talking about their experience of substance use and addiction, learn from those voices, see what their needs were, how they met their needs, you know, what, what steps did they take? What steps can I take? What steps can you take? 
um, you know, be guided by the voices of experience. And then once you once you've learned from those voices of experience, um, it's about preparing yourself to face the world with that experience and say, actually, this is what we as autistic people need. And that can mean standing on your own and doing that, or perhaps finding other self advocates such as I have, who will stand alongside you and help you be part of that conversation and you know the important thing to remember is is that you don't have to do this all on your own there is a rich and diverse community of autistics on the internet um you know the internet is really where a lot of our strength lies as autistics um and uh i always remember the analogy of the choir you know so a choir can sing these impossibly long notes because you know, one member of the choir can drop out to take a breath whilst the rest of the choir continues to sing. And uh, it's the same with self-advocacy. When we all speak together, we don't have to keep going until we've run out of breath and then force ourselves to go further. We can work together so that if one of us needs to take a step back from advocating, there are still others there singing the note. Yes, I love that analogy. That's a great analogy. Um, um, tell us a little more about your blog. That sounds like a wonderful thing. And, uh, I will make plans to include that in my adult autistic, uh, community links page, but tell us a little bit more about that blog that you do. So, um, it just started out as a little WordPress blog and it's, uh, it's now, uh, under the, uh, address emergentdivergence.com. Um, you can find it through my Facebook page, Emergent Divergence. You can also find it through Twitter, uh, Instagram. Uh, I also share it on my LinkedIn. And uh, every now and then I talk about it on my TikTok. Um, but if you go to emergentdivergence.com, what it, what it mostly is, is um, it's a collection of writing. It's not all by me. There's a few guest pieces. There's a few co-authored pieces. On it, we discuss... Um, autism addiction mental health and where all those things intersect um, we uh, I, I in particular enjoy recently talking about um, autistic trauma well I don't enjoy talking about it but I feel it's an important topic to talk about and I enjoy writing um, so at the moment I'm writing uh, an article series with an advocate called Tanya Adkin who uh, and it's called Creating Autistic Suffering. And through that uh, article series, we're exploring, um, you know, why autistic people might experience poor outcomes in their life. Um, it, it, it started out as a small blog um, and, uh, you know, it, it now averages anywhere from one to 2000 hits a month. Last month, because we were doing a lot of work with the Boycott Spectrum 10K um, campaign, it actually got 15,000 hits, which oh. is the most that it's ever had. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, I just, what I'm really proud of is the fact that, you know, every article on there is honest, it's raw, and it tells a story it it, exp it it says something about the autistic experience and i hope it says something about the autistic experience that some people might not have necessarily heard before yeah i think that is so very important 
Uh, one of the points that I make on my podcast all the time is how important it is that part of our self-advocacy be telling our stories about what being autistic means for us. That's part of how we learn from other autistics. And that's how, uh, you know, we hope that people who aren't autistic will listen to those stories and really begin to get a sense of that these things are real. These things are really happening. And this is why we need the neurodiversity movement that we're, that we're in. Um, and so um, that's just a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, um, contribution to the autistic community because through that blog, you're doing exactly what I talk about. You're telling stories. Thank you. That's that's you know that's I I I started writing because I wanted to be the person I needed ten years ago. Yeah. Because ten years ago I was undiagnosed autistic i was suffering with you know crippling addiction issues and mental health issues and i felt very alone and i wanted to i i looking back i realize now that having someone with my experience now come to me whether it be through their blog or literally come to me could have made all the difference so i i hope that you know the work I do gives someone who is in the position I was in ten years ago something to hold on to, gives them some hope. Yeah, I think that's a great a great thing to be doing. Um, you know, we know we know that among the barriers that we have, and even some of the um, some of the difficulties with strengths with self advocacy can be uh, of of not being diagnosed. Um, we know that that's part of the bigger problem for many autistics. Many of us are undiagnosed. And so therefore we don't really have an explanation for why we do some of the things we do. And um, yes, reaching for those substances um, and, and becoming addicted to them is just one of those things that um, it can also be almost be unavoidable. Uh, especially if it's when you're feeling isolated from people and um, dating people or, or creating relationships is so difficult, uh, we can create this relationship with a substance that feels like it's on our side rather than working against us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. After this final commercial break, I will conclude my talk with David Gray Hammond followed by today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Stay tuned. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services.
Hi, this is Leah from Mad Hatter Wellness. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about consent for a moment. Consent starts with asking. Ask the per person for permission. Step two, listen to the person's answer. Step three, they might say yes or no. Respect whatever answer they give. Some people give consent using words like, okay, sure, yes, yep. Some people give consent using body language, a thumbs up, a head nod, a fist bump. Some people use assistive technology to communicate consent. They may type in or have phrases already in place in their assistive tech device that might say, no, thank you, maybe tomorrow, or okay, yes. There are lots of different ways people may give consent. Asking for consent is important in all types of relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, a family member, or a work relationship. Asking someone whether they wanna do something with you is an important part of a healthy relationship. David Gray Hammond will return on December 3rd for Autistic Adults Substance Abuse Recovery. Join me and Tass Crombie on December 20th for the final episode of 2021 Autistic Adults Internet Safety. There is no doubt about it, the internet is a lot of fun. Social media, chat rooms, texting, dating, and gaming can make social connections easier. However, the internet is full of predators who know more about us than we know about them. Tass will join me to give us some helpful advice about watching out for risky emails, chat or text contacts, sales schemes, and social media posting. The second season of today's Autistic Moment will begin on January 10th, 2022. Dr. Scott Frassard will join me to talk about the medical and social models of autism. Tass Crombie will join me to talk about eating disorders and trauma. In March 2022, I will have two important episodes in honor of Women's History Month. One episode will be about adult autistic women. The other will be about autism in postmenopausal women. In April, I will be joined by Eric Garcia, who is the author of the book, We're Not Broken, Changing the Autism Conversation to Kick Off Autism Acceptance Month. If you have a topic suggestion for 2022 and or wish to be a guest to talk about an issue that is important to you, please send an email to p-k-l-o-w-e at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment.
this is this is a really great conversation. I'm glad we're having it. Um, it what are some things that you might say to um, to some autistic adults who may be having uh, issues with addiction? What are some things you might say to them that you think could be helpful to them? I mean, the thing that I really, I really want to get across because something I needed to hear when I was in the midst of addiction is that, you know, you're, I know that you're, you're suffering right now, but things can and they will be okay. Nothing is permanent. You just have to find that drive to turn yes. your life around you know for me for me the thing that that I had this moment because I woke up in hospital one day with tubes down my throat and I'd clearly nearly died of an overdose and something in me just went actually I want to live um and I walked out of the hospital the next day. I went to the substance misuse service that was supporting me and I said, please get me into a detox ward. I I want to I want to stop taking drugs. And they did that. And on April the seventh, twenty sixteen, I was sober for the first time in many years. Um and I know it feels like you're completely alone when you're in that situation and like no one else has the same story as you. But if there's one thing I've learned, it's that we all have one thing that, that ties us all together as addicts, and that is trauma. I have yes. not met an addict that is not a victim of trauma. Um, and I, I would hope that through that knowledge that we all share that common experience we can come together and support each other yeah yeah and and, and the support with the trauma piece that is such an important thing we often underestimate um how much trauma plays a part in, in our life in fact coming in 20 2022 i'm going to be doing an episode about trauma because because of uh we're often we often have so much trauma that that we we don't we don't completely process and post traumatic stress disorder is a big issue among autistics. It is. It's a huge <clears throat> yeah. issue amongst autistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My therapist, the therapist I work with, actually has been known to say that um, for an autistic individual, post traumatic stress disorder is is pretty much it's going to happen because of how much trauma we, we, we undertake. Um, so that sort of thing. Well, David, um, this has been a great conversation. Um, I cannot tell you how, um, how much this has meant to me to hear this. And I am certain that among my autistic listeners and even those who aren't, that we've given them a bit of a picture about what um addiction for autistics can be can be and the, as i say the good news is next next week um next episode we're going to talk about substance abuse recovery 
And I wanted to I wanted to do it this way because I feel like we need to give them a little bit more hope that the recovery is possible, it can be done, and we we wanna, you know, help them find their resources and really commit to that recovery. Um, I, I just feel that is so important. But uh, David, thank you so much for being on today. And I look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you very much for having me. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. There will be one class of Understanding Autism and Best Strategic Practices offered from the Autism Society of Minnesota. The virtual class will be held on Monday, December 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. The class is free of charge to attend. On December 14th, the Autism Society of Minnesota will host Jason Shellac, the Executive Director of the Autism Advocacy and Law Center, LLC, for the virtual skill shop, Guardianship, Do We Need It? 18 years of age is considered adulthood. Many autistic adults over the age of 18 will continue to need assistance with transition services, making medical decisions, and applying for government benefits. Learn about the guardianship process in Minnesota. Register now for the Winter Autism Direct Support Certification classes will be held on Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., January 15th, 22nd, and 29th, 2022. Scholarships are available. The Autism Society of Minnesota is now accepting applications to present a breakout session for the 2022 Minnesota Autism Conference, April 27th to the 29th, 2022, at the Hyatt Regency in Bloomington, Minnesota. The deadline date for applications has been extended to November 29th. Finally, the Autism Society of Minnesota and the Multicultural Autism Action Network, also called NAN, and Spiro Academy are partnering with Hennepin Healthcare to offer a sensory-friendly COVID-19 vaccine clinic on Saturday, December 18th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Spiro Academy in Minneapolis. Vaccines will be available for children five years old and up, and boosters will be available for those who were vaccinated at least six months ago. For more information about these and other events by the Autism Society of Minnesota, go to AUSM.org. If you have any questions for me, please send an email to pklowe at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult.